Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All things in the name of love. With your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music performed and written by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Episode 58, How Adversity Can Open You Up with Dr. Carrie White. Oh, today I have with me the lovely, amazing, multifaceted Carrie White, who is a physical therapist, a nutritionist, and a deeply spiritual woman who has listened to her intuition, who has allowed her intuition to help guide her along her way. And I am just so grateful because we've tried this three times. This is the third time we've tried this. And fingers crossed, today is the day. Today is the day we're actually going to have this conversation. And I am really looking forward to it. And so without further ado, welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you. Persistence is key, right? It's true. It's true. That was meant to be. Yes. So. With that as a kickoff, tell me a little bit, now I know because we've done this three times, but tell my listeners a little bit about your background and how you have come to follow your intuition and, and I'll stop there. Okay. Well, I was always drawn, drawn to sort of science and helping people and medicine. And when I was eight years old, somebody gave me an eye model and I was just like obsessed with it. And I just loved it. I thought it was so fascinating, the anatomy, the colors, how everything sort of went together. And then, and so from there on, I said I was going to become an eye doctor and I was like obsessed with that. And then that was about when I was eight. So changed, right? But I was always drawn towards science and I loved my science courses, not so much, you know, English and reading. You know, when I took my SATs, my mom's like, oh, you're really smart, but you're illiterate. (laughs) (laughs) Not so good at the language arts and the the vocabulary, (laughs) but I made it work. You know, writing was a struggle for me and so forth. But, and when I started to think about going to college and so forth, I knew going in, I wanted to be a biology major. And I had talked to a bunch of doctors and my pediatrician was sort of like, why don't you become a doctor? She was a female and she's like, you know, it'd be, uh, go all the way. So then I had been an athlete and a gymnast and spent a lot of time, you know, orthopedics, physical therapy and such. And I was like, well, I think I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. I sort of liked mechanics. My dad was a a good carpenter and stuff like that. So we did a lot of stuff, you know, like that. I was good with a screwdriver. (laughs) So, you know, it was sort of a progression. And so when I went, when I got to college, started the biology, loved it, did well. And then by my sophomore year, I sort of had this catharsis, I guess, if you will, where it really came down to like, I wasn't doing great in one of my classes. It was a genetics class. 
And when, if you want to go to medical school, you have to sort of get really good grades all the way along. Mm-hmm. And I, that was really banked on the fact that I knew I wasn't a great standardized test taker and I wasn't going to ace the MCAT. So I was like, okay, I'm really going to get the grade. <laughs> so it was genetics, which kind of threw me for a loop there. And I was like, well, do I really want to do this? And it was sort of in coordination with things were changing in the medical profession back then. HMOs were coming in and a lot of physicians were actually encouraging me not to do it. anymore. People still say this now, 30 years later, right? But this was back when it was starting. And so I just sort of explored other things and I had liked physical therapy and it coincided with at the end of my sophomore year in college, I actually got in a really traumatic diving accident. I was a spring, a competitive springboard diver. I was on the t- uh, swim team at University of Richmond. And the morning before the big meet conferences at the end of the year, I crashed. I basically did this. It was six o'clock in the morning before we were going to leave. I was going through, running through all my dives. It was just myself and my coach. And I went up and I was doing an inward dive, which is one of the precarious ones. It's where you sort of go up, jump backwards and dive in. And I went up and I was actually two feet over the board. So I put my hands down. Yeah. So I put my hands down to stop the board, but the board was coming up so fast. They hit me in the chin and I fell back to the water. So fortunately I was on the one meter and not the three meter. I did both one and three meter, but because I feel like if I'd been higher and fallen higher, probably would have done worse. But Fortunately, I didn't break my neck, I didn't break my jaw, but I did break all my teeth. <laughs> wow. So sad thing is, I don't know if you had ever had braces, but as I was a little graphic, but as I was spitting out all the teeth, I was all I was thinking about was how much money my parents had put into my teeth. <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be bad, right? So <laughs> of course, because you don't think about your own pain, you always think about like, right. oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble for this. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, right. This is like terrible. So I, beca- I externally, all I, I had was a cut in my chin, which I'd already had one, but you know, I, they stitched me up and so forth. But it was the dental work sort of that took a long time in physical therapy because I was having jaw headaches. I probably had a concussion and they weren't as good at, you know, identifying that I think back then because I had headaches for a long time mm-hmm. after the injury. But it was through that that I actually got to experience more physical therapy, which I'd had some when I was a gymnast. And I just love the relationship and the evaluation and just sort of how they go about everything and helping you heal. And so I really was like, well, let me give this a try. And so I volunteered, spent the next two years volunteering. And I also decided, you know, in, in, when I say that catharsis, I was like, well, do I really want to go to school for 10 years? I come out, you know, at 30 and then have to decide, do I want to have to have a family, you know, or do both or not? And I decided that, you know, three years of school, even though children were so far away from my thought process, I was, I sort of made this decision that, you know, someday I probably want to have a family and I don't want to have to make the choice mm-hmm. having sacrificed so much because it is, you know, it's a huge sacrifice. So so I worked out and I went for it and it was really hard to get into physical therapy school and those years and I <laughs> think about it, like your life's past, right? My my backup plan was I was gonna be a marine biologist in the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> That's a really cool backup plan. <laughs> or 
I was going to be a dancer on a cruise ship. <laughs> That's a pretty cool plan, too. <laughs> so, fortunately, I got into physical therapy school and went that direction. I loved it. And then I practiced for about 20 years now. But what's been interesting in my, probably I should say, the last 10 years of my life is that through you know, various different traumas that I've had, emotional traumas and stuff, and my having children and my children having some issues with food allergies. And I was, I was struck with Lyme disease and I just learned so much. I found functional medicine for my children first and then for myself through the Lyme disease and everything. I was, and I learned so much just about how food is important and how it can be helpful and also harmful, right? And my son's case with the food allergies. And it just sort of opened this whole new realm of stuff that I was really interested in. And I just, instead of reading PT journals, I was looking up, you know, recipes in different ways and having to learn how to cook with all the alternatives for my son. And and that just really was, felt like I was being pulled in this direction. And I was like, well, how do I, you know, how can I put a label on this and explore this more? And there was the opportunity through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to do health coaching. And I was like, this is just brings it all together because so much I went through with all that with stress and and just learning how to overcome adversity and to keep going and and also advocacy, you know, being a self-advocate through the course of my my illness and also with my, you know, with my children. And it just pulled me in that direction. And so I still love what I do as a physical therapist. And I've always helped my patients talking about my story always led to such interesting conversations with them and really delving in. And when I came back from having Lyme's disease, I sort of looked at a lot of my patients differently. We, we treated, uh, treated a lot of chronic pain patients for a while. We have a pain center that's affiliated with our physical therapy practice. And, you know, I just started to be like, well, is this, you know, especially the people I couldn't necessarily get better. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, am I, what am I really treating here? Am I treating, you know, an orthopedic thing or do they have something underlying and just asking them other questions and getting them to sort of ask themselves questions and directing them to, to try and seek functional medicine and just see if there's something else going on. And it was just, you know, came in, came back with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And so the you know, health coaching was sort of, uh, just an adjunct and a, and a better way to round out what I was already doing. That makes sense because because you're being more holistic. Right. Yeah. And so much of what, you know, people are coming into us, we are, I have the the ability to treat people for an hour in our clinic, which is. That's amazing. And it's amazing. So we spend a lot of time getting to know our patients and it just allowed me to talk to them about a lot of different things. and. Yeah, they they were interested in what I had to say about myself, and there was a lot of you know people like oh well similarities. They saw some signs of themselves and what I'd been through, and there was curiosity, and so we you know had that rapport, and it was I just found it really really helpful because so many people come to our clinic with a lot of other issues, and yes, we're treating them for something orthopedic, but is that a sort of a a breakdown of because they have other issues, you know, they're not necessarily healthy, or um, you know the joints are breaking down, or a lot of inflammation, you know, not sort of something that I like to talk to people about. So in your journey, you hinted at your, your being led to certain directions. How did that start? Is it like an early thing or did you just feel it more as you got older? Like 
guided by your children's allergies and just having this opening up for you. How did that, how did you explore that? How did that develop? I think I can really trace that back to when I was actually a gymnast. I, you know, we're really in tune with our bodies. Mm -hmm. So I've just always been very attuned to my body. And my mom was also like, she was very much into health and, and wellness early on. You know, she was sort of trekking across three towns to find a health food store back in the 80s. That's awesome. <laughs> and I would say I was sort of raised on fruits and twigs sort of thing early on. That sort of all went to went out the window when my brother was born. But <laughs> of course, <laughs> different, you know, different issues. But initially with me, she was very attuned to that and sort of eating healthy. And so I was raised with a lot of that awareness of, you know, good food. My mom had a, always had a huge garden. And we ate a lot of that stuff. And, you know, she always, we didn't eat out very often. She was always preparing meals. And my grandmother was a big cook, my my dad's mother. And so I just had those influences, sort of health and wellness and just being conscious and taking care of your body. And my mom, I remember going to her exercise classes when I was like three, you know, being put in the, you know, doing her little Jane Fonda back in the day. <laughs> so... I think I always had a lot of those influences. And so that was, you know, I feel very grateful for that. But, uh, and then also I feel like with gymnastics, I was just very tuned to my body and what was going on and just sort of knew when to listen to my body. And it was important when I was actually diagnosed with Lyme because, well, the funny thing was, you know, you always put your children first. Like I went, found functional medicine through my kids. And then when he started to sort of help them, I was like, you know, I haven't been feeling very well. <laughs> And then it was sort of opening Pandora's box mm -hmm. with that. But prior to that, I experienced a lot of medical practitioners that were trying to give me anxiety medication and put me on blood pressure medicine. And I just didn't feel like that was right. I can't necessarily say why. It just was like, there has to be a better way. And it might just be my scientific nature. I'd be like, well, let's examine this. Is there a better way to do this? You know. Mm -hmm. And being physical therapy, you know, we tend to treat people more naturally anyway. And I was just drawn to go in that direction. And and then even with diagnosing, like even my functional medicine doctor, it took him a year and a half to diagnose me with Lyme. Yeah, because that's my an test. elusive. That's elusive. Yeah. And my test kept coming back negative and negative. And I said, you know, I got to this point where I was like, well, am I going crazy? Like, you know, I started developing symptoms of fibromyalgia, which I treat. And I was like, oh, my goodness, is this? going to be my life for the rest of my life right. like this has to be this can't like i just have to get to the bottom of this mm -hmm. and just kept kind of pushing them like i know there's something wrong and you know and then finally we found a you know the test came back positive and you're almost like relieved you have something wrong yeah. with you as you start to feel and doubt yourself and think you're going crazy and right because because with stuff like that with stuff like that you it's so elusive to western medicine doctors that it does because i have a friend who's got fibromyalgia and she it took her five years to get diagnosed with it and and she's found through food that she can be healthy but she has to be really strict with her food intake and i suspect you do too <laughs> 
Yeah, and what it brings up is just all this information we have now on inflammation. And there's a divide between, you know, which I don't necessarily understand, but I feel like now there's this hitting a little bit of functional medicine doctors against what we call conventional doctors. And I wish everybody could just come together. Mm-hmm. But just about, you know, inflammation and inflammation in our guts and inflammation in our body and how this underlying inflammation. And it'll be interesting to see with the current situation right? Because that's what's yeah. killing back the lid on a lot of underlying health issues that our country has. Mm-hmm. You know, when they say somebody's healthy, but, you know, I was functioning okay. I was a, the time I was a, you know, let's say how old was I? I was a 39-year-old, you know, female mom of two, stressed to the gills because my kids had, you know, issues, but I was, looked really good. Any, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Well, I was tired, but I was functioning, you know, right. those people would say, oh, she's perfectly healthy, you know, but I had all this underlying, you know, I had something that was brewing and it was obviously I was strong enough that it was living. I think it was living happily in my body for a very long time. This is yeah. my own analysis, but because my t- I had my kids tested after I tested positive and they didn't test positive, but they definitely had antibodies. So, okay. I think I was really lucky. Nothing happened when I was pregnant. And, you know, I don't know how long it really had, but what happened, it was really the pinnacle was the passing of my mom suddenly. And that really was where I crashed. Yeah. And then everything sort of was like, came out. <laughs> well, what, what happened from that? I mean, you're, you're in this stressful place already and then your mom dies and I'm, guessing because this is how it happened with the passing of my dad everything shifted and I didn't I didn't really feel like I could continue with the way my life had been before his death after he died it's before and after dad and I know that I started meditating because I just I had, I was so stressed. I was like, I have to find something. I have to find something. And I've learned that when we're bebopping along and we're ignoring the deeper stuff, tragic things tend to come in to, to snap us out of that existence. So is that what happened? Something similar like that happened to you? Yeah, I was the queen of suppression, <laughs> <laughs> emotional suppression, pretty much my whole life. You know, okay. we talked about when uh, I lost a, my first experience tragedy really was losing my best friend when I was 12, mm. suddenly to a brain tumor. <sighs> and that, you know, whether it was inherent, I don't really know, but my emotional emotions were definitely tested during that. And I yeah. just suppressed and I learned to suppress. That was where I was comfortable, not being mm-hmm. vulnerable and emotional and, and so forth. And that worked pretty, you know, for a long time. <laughs> Um, I actually, I think what really helped is I, uh, in there, I also went, had a divorce when I turned 30 and I got therapy after that. I, I suppressed that as well. And then <laughs> and I had started having panic attacks. So yeah. your body's like, your body knows you can only, you can only suppress so much. And it just was yeah. not my nature to, to emote very much. Like a lot of my friends would be like, Say they've never seen me cry before, mm. which I wasn't necessarily proud of, but I was sort of like, yeah, that's just the way I am. You know, I wasn't comfortable being vulnerable, but 
the icing on the cake even before my mom's death was was divorced and to, it was really tough and I went on Zoloft I was having all this anxiety and then I was you know started having panic attacks I'm like like I just you really need to deal with this so I went into therapy and it was really uh not just with the divorce but it was just a huge unraveling in a good way of myself and just getting and finding and reintroducing myself to my true self. And I think that helped propel me forwards. I realized after divorce sort of I could support myself and I didn't need and you know I didn't necessarily you know need to place my value on somebody else loved me and those things like I can take care of myself and and it just gave me a lot of confidence on the on the you know latter end of that. But you know, I don't think I necessarily changed all my patterns, right? Because then, so when my mom passed away, you revert to what you know. And I did get therapy, but I also suppressed because I had my dad who was grieving the loss of his wife and my brother who didn't have a family. And, and then I had a 14-month-old. And so I was trying to hold everybody else up. And my mom was such a, uh, she was the central person in our family really holding everybody together. So I was trying to hold my brother up. I was trying to hold my dad up. I had a 14 month old. I didn't have time to grieve at all. No. So I just, I had a job, you know, I was working and helping other people in physical therapy and that lasted for about a year. And then that was when I crashed, you know, and I'm sure the line, like I said, I don't know where that fell into the piece, but because I never had a known pick fight or anything like that. But the stress just, I think was really what took me down. Mm-hmm. And so it took about a year after my mom passing to answer long answer to your question, but until <laughs> I actually started to deal with what had happened. And then you know, I would go to the gym and I would just cry at the gym. <laughs> like I'd get on the I'd get on the elliptical or the stairmaster and and then at that point I didn't care what you know anybody thought. I would just because it was the only time that I get was by myself, right? Oh. With an infant and a, a baby and your husband's trying to work and stressed out and my dad's a mess the first year and my brothers he reverted to sort of negative behaviors after my mom passed so yeah it was a lot to deal with how did the breakdown break you open well i just realized that i had to ask for help from others mm-hmm. and that was hard for me because i'm used to sort of doing it all and I don't, you know, you just sort of pick yourself up and you go on. And that's a good mantra to have. However, you also have to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to find the balance there. So, you know, I think going to therapy helped again, because that was where I could just go and cry. Mm-hmm. And then the alarm, it was, my doctor was like, look, you just really have to get your stress under control. And so I I learned how to meditate. I had started doing yoga with my daughter when I was pregnant with my first child. And I really found solace in that as well. Because as my body started to break down with the Lyme, that was one thing. I had always been an athlete. I had done triathlons when my daughter was 10 months old. And I was relegated to like, I could barely look at somebody working out without being Mm. sore. Wow. So I found solace in yoga as well, because that was the only place, that was the only thing I could do without being sore for days but then I also was able to embrace yoga brings to the practice Mm -hmm. 
which is just turning inwards, relaxation, breathing. And that was, that also just really helped me through. How does that inform you now? I am definitely much better at, I'm very guarded with my time now. I, cause you never want to go back to that place. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a dark, I say dark place because I started to, especially before I had a diagnosis and I think it made me really understand my patients with chronic pain more and sort of what they can face in that when you're like, oh my gosh, is this is like, I'm probably just going to get worse from here as I get older. Like, is this as good as I'm going to feel or is this as good as my life is going to get now? Because I don't know what's wrong with me, but you know, you just start to go down this and you're, this path and your brain starts to tell you negative thoughts and it you have to be really careful not to go down you know fully down the path and I didn't necessarily have any chemical history or anything like depression so if you add that to somebody who's has a propensity for depression you know you can only imagine so but anyway so now I'm just really protective of my time I I know I can sort of read my body and feel when I'm doing too much and I have to back off and just say no. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing I think I really learned from all this was just can't do it all. <laughs> you know, we think we feel as especially I think when you become a mom that you're, you know, you're supposed to do it all. And one of the hardest conversations I actually had had with my husband because everybody looked at me and was like, You're fine, what's wrong with you? You know, and even my husband started to think like I was going a little crazy. <laughs> like is this in your head and then yeah. no that was really hard too that he even he thought I was a little crazy and he hates when I talk about this because he was very supportive but there was also still I had to sit in down and be like I need help like yeah. I need extra help right now mm-hmm. to get through this because sometimes I come home from work and I'm like I just I can't make dinner I couldn't get off the sofa I just be done mm-hmm. so exhausted and that's just a terrible feeling yeah. You know, when you're a mom and, you know, trying to, supposed to take care of everybody. Right. And not taking care of yourself. Right. And so now I take, and uh, that's the other thing. I mean, I definitely, I carve out time because before it's, you know, you sort of feel selfish about it, especially if you have young kids. And then we have this mommy guilt too when you become a mom. But even if you don't have children, you know, I think some people just don't necessarily, they feel like they're indulging themselves as opposed to taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's just so important to carve out that time. And so now I actually, I just make sure I do something for myself every day, whether it be yoga or my sauna. During this time, it's been taking a walk. Sometimes I just walk out the door and I don't tell anybody where I'm going. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and how do you, so for me, I can tell on the days when I meditate, how I feel versus the days when I don't meditate. And it's gotten to a, especially during these lovely times that we're living in, I have to meditate at least twice a day. Yeah. Because I need to feel that groundedness. I need to feel that that deeper connection with, with that, whatever you want to call it, source, God, that, that, energy that that flows within me that my logical brain I'm not I'm not a scientist but I'm a I'm an historian so I, I get that conflict of 
I can't explain why my body vibrates with energy. I want to, you know, I can't explain it, but I know it's true. So how have you reconciled your scientific mind with that, that energy flow that you feel? Well, I, I, I mean, I think just having a science background, I sort of understand a lot of the science there. So I tend to be more thinking with my head than my heart and do, you know, can be weaker in the spirituality, you know, listening to the the spirituality sense as opposed to knowing the science facts. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've always been drawn to exercise. I've always felt better when I've exercised, not necessarily like a runner's high, but I just, like I, that's always been my stress reliever Mm -hmm. is exercise and just knowing that I have, you know, when you have that extra cortisol and, and adrenaline and all that stuff running through your body that you that I need to go exercise and do something with it. Mm-hmm. Other people would be relegated by doing something to calm their bodies, you know, like mm-hmm. meditating and stuff like that. But I, I personally find exercise meditative mm-hmm. and that it's the time that I have alone for myself to think mm-hmm. and just, you know, ground myself and get myself together. I, I was swimming four miles a week, which was pretty big for me until the gym closed. And that was my meditation. That was one of my meditations. I mean, it was just, just being in that water and getting into the rhythm and being and feeling like connected with the water was just this beautiful meditative state. And I miss it. Yeah. I actually found, I started swimming a couple of years ago. It's funny. I was a diver, but I was never a swimmer. Okay. Built to be a swimmer. I should have been a swimmer, but <laughs> I always thought it was very boring when I was, you know, younger. Just compare gymnastics to swimming. There's a little bit more variety in gymnastics and stuff like that. But when I started swimming, I had that same experience. I actually found it very meditative, the repetition and the breathing and that it, I didn't even realize I was swimming at some points because I was just in my head. Mm-hmm. And working stuff out of my head and the swimming was just going on. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. I've had moments where I've relaxed enough to actually feel the energy of the water and get that because I've, I've been swimming since I was three or four. My grandfather threw me in, in a lake in Connecticut and was like, okay, you're going to learn how to swim. And so like water is like a, a part of my existence. and when I was little, it was blissful because there was no time. There was no concern. It was just me in the water and the the wildlife. And there was no time and there was no pressure. And on rare occasions in the pool, I've gotten to that level of that bliss. And it's just, it's this gift of being fully present in my body, which I'm sure you are way more present in your body than I am with mine. <laughs> Sometimes too present, but yes. <laughs> yeah, but that's, you know, that's great. And I do find that like now as I've gotten older, I guess, I don't know, and I'm more attuned to, you know, just sort of everything out there, right? To nature. I, I've always enjoyed nature as well and been an outdoor person. And so now I actually really, I prefer exercising outside. I really don't like going to the gym unless I have to. But it's the same thing because it's you're getting, you know, exercise, you're outside and, and maybe there's a 
a spiritual sense to it as well, right? That there's just something bigger than me out here in nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like that feeling that it's, you know, it's very calming. Yeah. I, I, we have a community garden that I manage. And one of the things I try to do every time I go up is I take my shoes off and I just put my feet on the ground for like 15, 20 minutes. And that it's a, it shakes me out of my mind and into connecting with everything. And it's just a beautiful experience. Yeah. That feeling of grounded. I mean, there's mm-hmm. information on that and maybe not scientific studies, but I'm sure there are some just about how you're grounded and bringing it back to the earth. And it's just fundamental. And with our busy lives, you know, that's one thing I sort of realized about that is I, I was using busyness when I was going through a lot of my grieving. Mm-hmm. I used busyness, and I think a lot of people do, as a distraction. And didn't, because if you're not busy, then you have to actually face your thoughts and your emotions and mm-hmm. feel the pain. And yeah. who wants to do that, right? Mm-hmm. At the time, so... Oh, yeah, I, I, I know I, I woke up this morning with from a nightmare and it was it had a message for me and I was really amazed at the profoundness of it. And it was painful. And I processed some of it. It's like a it's a big subconscious belief that popped up this morning and and I'm simultaneously grateful for it. And I also know that I have to sit with it and actually deal with it and like you i've struggled with feeling my feelings so it's like okay i i have to do it because it's not going to go away right i think one thing i've learned about all through all these traumas that i've had and i you know losing people when i say trauma just the loss of life that i had starting when it was so young and then i had another friend who was hit by a car and then mm-hmm. i had right before my, right after, excuse me, my mom passed away, I lost another dear friend to Mm. cancer. But I feel like each time I just become more open to sort of signs and feelings and things that are out there that when we're so busy, we don't necessarily pay attention to, whether it's signs from God or the universe or whatever you believe. But I definitely feel like I'm more open to those signs and I'm more not necessarily looking for them, but uh, aware. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, whether it be energy or minor dream, even. I had an interesting dream after my, well, go back to when my friend passed away when I was 12. I had an interesting experience. And uh, at the time, I sort of, I asked God, I said, you know, show me a sign. And people do that all the time, I'm sure. But I had a response, which was, of life-changing for me in that I asked show me a sign that she's okay and there was this huge flash of light it was probably several months after she passed away and I was it was at nighttime I was sleeping and talking to myself and there was this huge flash of light outside and it was almost like lightning but there was no reason for it to be there wasn't a storm it wasn't like that of the summer or anything like that and it was just a you know, instantaneous. And it was just really like, hmm, made me go, hmm, right? And I was like, well, is that really a response to my question? Is it coincidence? And you question all these things. But I really do believe that that was, that was a sign in sort of a response to my question. And just was always sort of open to those things, I think, after that. Mm-hmm. Which is a really 
profound thing because I've sensed right before when family members died, I could feel their body, them leaving their bodies, which is kind of a weird thing. Mm-hmm. That as well. Yeah, it's 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 ultimately good because I know they're okay, but it's also kind of a okay. That's disconcerting. You know what I mean? It's just one of those. All right, this didn't okay. But it it tells me, and I've actually felt the energy of my father a few times, which is really beautiful. And when I am in that quieter state, when I slow down, I can actually feel much more. And I feel like I'm guided in ways that I completely screw up when I'm not in that state. Because my head is really, I love my head. It's very, very intellectual yeah. and it loves to solve things. So getting in that flow, which I'm doing more and more, I see things that I could never see when I'm distracting myself. Right. Yeah. And it's just taking the time uh, to let yourself tune into the thing, let yourself experience them. Mm-hmm. It was interesting after my dad passed away, my daughter, you know, this sort of makes you, you know, believe, I think, had I not had a lot of experiences, maybe you would have brushed it off, right? But she had told me before I'd even told her that my dad had passed away. She said, Mommy, I had a dream about granddaddy last night. And they had been staying up at the beach while I was down in Virginia. And she said, I had a dream. Granddaddy was sitting on the porch, two houses down from our house, and I was on my scooter. And as I scooted by, he waved at me. And I mean, that was him saying goodbye. Yeah. And it was before she even knew that he had passed. Wow. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. But had I not had previous experiences, I might have just been like, oh, she's a child. It was just a dream, you know. Right. But I think there's so many things that maybe we don't pay attention to because we're busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty profound when you slow down. Mm. Oh, Miss Carrie, I have one final question for you. Okay. Because I know you do functional nutrition coaching, mm-hmm. and I want to know how people can find you. Yeah. Well, I have a website. I am centerednutritionandwellness.com. And there's uh, information you can subscribe to a newsletter. You can find me and uh, do a consultation and do free consultations in the beginning so people can understand what health coaching is all about and sort of discuss what their goals are and such and why they might seek out a health coach. One thing to add to, I like, I think people don't necessarily understand everything that health coaches do. And a lot of people do specialize because they, Similar to me, they have their own experience and then they seek out wanting to help others. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, health coaching, although a lot of what we do is health and, and discussing nutrition, but it's also looking at helping people to, if they want to explore their spirituality or uh, increasing their education and exploring different jobs and working on their finances and sort of everything that makes us holistic and mm-hmm. that 
there's so many as- different aspects that we do like to help people explore. And we're not experts in all those areas for sure, but it's helping people find the right people and tap into exploring that on their own as well. But centered, centered nutrition and wellness.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at the same tag at centered nutrition and wellness.com. Thank you so much for doing the final <laughs> successful interview. Yay. <laughs> I so appreciate your time and all the work you're doing in the world, Carrie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. The action item of the week is to slow down, turn off or keep off your electronics for one hour. Go outside somewhere you've taken for granted before and just be there for an hour, which I realize may be hard to do if you don't have your electronics, but do it anyways. (laughs) And in that hour, immerse yourself in your surroundings. Pay attention to what the insects are doing, to what birds are doing, the direction of the wind and how clouds move. Just be in it. See what unfolds. That's it for the week. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? Feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.